My name is Leah Williams, and I am a part of the Inclusivity Podcast. And today we have my co-host, Lori Myron, who is here to have her interview and be introduced. Our co-hosts who are not here today is Dana James with Black Iowa News, and she is also one of our podcast partners. We are also a podcast partners of Alliance for Sustainability. So we want to talk to you today about what is it to be in a sustainable lifestyle? How are you creating that? What does that mean for you? For us, it's about making sure that there's inclusion, there's sustainability, and there's equity. Hope you will find today's podcast as enjoyable as it is to us. So sit back, listen, watch, have a good old cup of tea or coffee and enjoy this time with us. So, hey, Lori, how are you doing today? I am great today. Thanks so much, Leah. Well, thank you for coming today and being in the hot seat. I am so interested. Can you tell me a little bit, who is Lori? What is your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a geriatric psychologist by training and do that full time still. So I work with people in care facilities and assisted livings and sort of help them explore the end of their lives, which I absolutely love and feel honored to do. And a few years ago, I realized that I also felt like I needed to do something more to protect the earth and also to, to really promote equity and justice because I felt like economic, social, and environmental justice were all kind of at risk. And so I started a company called Inclusivity. And this podcast is sort of an extension or a next step from all of that. So the company's still here. We're working on a new product. Um, I launched another podcast, Inclusive Talks Sustainability, about um, a couple of years ago and did 60 really long, intense, um, extensive interviews with artists and people in the sustainable field. And then I saw, thought I really wanted to do something new with the co-host. I wanted to shorten the episodes, have them be more focused and really on, here's our tip for living a more sustainable life. Here's our guest's tip for living a more sustainable life. So that's how we got here. And I connected with you, Leah, through Dana for Black Iowa News because I'd met her before. And I'm just, I'm extraordinarily excited about this next iteration of the podcast and sort of being partners and and working together to figure out all the stories that that add to our understanding of equity, justice, and sustainable living. That is amazing. I have been so excited and thank you again for the opportunity to be here. I am curious though, Lori, what is your overall goal for our inclusivity podcast? Um, my goal is literally to give people simple things they can do to help us move towards that more sustainable future. I, I fully believe that the only way we can survive literally as a world is to find ways to promote justice and equity in all its forms. I don't think that we can continue with the, the racial inequity and the gender-based inequity and the um, sexual orientation inequity. I don't think we can survive as a world if that continues nor do I think we, we can survive if we continue polluting at the levels that we are. And if we don't hold 
um, corporations accountable and if we don't do whatever we can to protect the earth. And so for me, this really is, this is it. This is what we need to do is we need to tell stories about people who are doing amazing things. We need to talk about racial justice. We need to talk about how we create a future for everybody because there can't be us and them anymore. I, I just, I don't believe the world can sustain it. And so I think for me, the real underpinning of this is that I have to do in my lifetime, whatever I can to try to create that future for everybody. And that's it. That's what this podcast is about. I am so happy you said that. And ironically, we're at the beginning of Pride Month, as well as here, you may not know, but in Iowa today is the day that we go out and vote for our primaries. And I thought it was interesting, um, as always in our conversation about racial equity, as far as like uh, gender equity, as well as we're in the middle of Pride Month that we get the opportunity here in Iowa to vote for who would help represent us and make sure the laws that are in place do not turn. If someone was listening to you right now and you've taken the stance on, I no longer want to be a us versus them, what are other things you think our listeners or someone that wants to know how can they get involved? Is it too late? How do they go about that if they are someone that's in your position? So I don't know if it's too late. In all honesty, I just don't know. What I do know is that I want to be on the side that fights as if it's not. So I want to be the part of the team that says, we're going to do everything we can to make this okay, to make a future for everybody, to increase equity and justice and protect the earth. So that's the team I want to play on. And so for me, it's not about whether it's too late. That that actually is, is not the point. The point is, how do I want to live my life? What are my primary objectives? And my primary objective is taking care of you and taking care of Dana and taking care of my family and taking care of my neighborhood and the people around me and the people I'll never meet around the world. And so the question for me isn't, again, it's not, is it too late? It's what can I do regardless? What is the right moral thing for me to do? What should I do as a human being who I fully believe my primary responsibility as a human being is protecting other people and the earth? Like that is it. And so for me, that's the message. And what I would say to people is, we're not saying in this podcast ever that you alone can create the change that the world needs. That, that doesn't make any sense, but we as a group can create the, the change. So what we like to say sometimes is that alone, I can make a difference. I really can. I can vote. I can write letters. I can change where I purchase my clothing, but together we can make the difference. And that's the only way anything ever happens is if we join together and each do what we can and collectively kind of change that tide. And, and what I like about that message is that some people can't do, I, some people can't march anymore. Or some people have never been comfortable with that. Some people can't buy more expensive hemp clothing because it's simply not within their reach to do so. Some people can't, can't actually volunteer because they are working long days to make enough money to provide for their families. So the message is whatever you can do, do. 
and it'll be a piece of it and it'll be a piece of this beautiful puzzle that we're all trying to put together. And that is definitely um, going to lead up to our last question, but I didn't want to let you go so soon. Um, what I have always in my head still is sometimes I think also people don't want to make changes if it's going to make them uncomfortable. And sometimes things have to get so uncomfortable that people begin to see that. And a lot of people will always go back, well, it was Floyd for me. Well, for me, it was the day I was born. It was the day that. I entered into school and I had to deal with classmates not understanding why they are being a certain kind of way with me when I'm getting bussed into a particular school at the time, but learning that my intelligence was going to get me there. Would you say that it was hard for you to get out of your comfort zone or has this always been something that was natural for you? Um, I, you know, I think philosophically, this has always been my my bent, right? I, my parents are both pastors, but they're pastors of a very liberal United Church of Christ, which is very accepting. The first congregation to ordain women, the, the first group to welcome, openly welcome um, gay and lesbian pastors. I learned about all of that when I was a teenager. So I think that philosophically, this has always been my bent. However, um, I felt for the longest time, like I was doing my part for the world by working in geriatrics. I felt like, okay, my mission, my, my goal, which is still part of my goal, is reminding people at the end of their lives how amazing they are. It's reminding people that even if they can't cook Sunday dinner anymore, they're still interesting and lovely and worthwhile, which I 100% believe. So I felt like that was how I was contributing to the world. And then some political stuff happened that really um, made me go, wait, I, I thought we were further along than this. I thought when there was so much pushback against um, gay marriage, when you know, I felt like there was pushback against abortion rights, when there's pushback against, um, I felt like after President Obama, there was huge pushback against um, African-American people in, in politics. I, or people who weren't white, not just African-American, but people who weren't white. And so suddenly I was faced with this mo moment of, I can do nothing. I can continue doing the work I'm doing and that would be a fine thing to do. Or I can acknowledge that we are not done, that we're not anywhere near done and that the work we've done has gotten us somewhere but then there's all this pushback and that there's still a lot to do. And so for me, that there was literally a moment where I said, enough, I, I simply can't not do this. And whether it works, whether I'm successful, whether I, I just need to, again, I need to be on that team that's saying enough. And part of that for me, Leah, I really liked you bringing up, you know, those moments when you discover. And part of this for me has been really pushing away that, that um, white perspective and really saying, absolutely stop being defensive. Never again will I say, well, I'm not, but I'm not racist, but, but I'm not against, I won't say it again because it's not okay for me to keep saying it because my culture is, society is, and I need to take some responsibility for that doesn't mean feeling guilty. And anybody who's listening, that is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's helpful to anyone if, 
if you walk around all the time saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. That's not productive. But I think acknowledging that the systemic racism, for example, is here um, is, is crucial. And I do have two key stories. And this was after I'd started this work. It was after I'd started the company. Um, but there were two pivotal moments for me that really solidified all of this. I was already thinking it. I was already feeling it. But I it's that emotional component that suddenly was like, oh my gosh. One of them was I was talking to a friend, um, a new friend who was talking about um, his grandparents being slaves. Hmm. He's an older man wow. and he was talking about going down South and looking at the plantation where his um, ancestors lived. Hmm. At the same time he was telling that story, he told a story about um, taking some young African-American men up north to the Boundary Waters in Minnesota. So it's a beautiful, pristine area. And he said he liked to take young men up there just to give them a different look at the world. So mostly boys who were at some risk, who had maybe kind of entered their feet into the criminal justice system, just boys that, that he wanted to help sort of see the world in a different way. On the way up there, he said, one of the things that I always tell the boys is that if we get pulled over up here, if a police officer pulls us over, we roll our windows down, we put our hands out the windows and we don't move. Hmm. They were pulled over. They were pulled over that during that trip in a way that the police literally, according to him, did a U-turn to mm -hmm. pull them over. Right. And the boys did what he had said. Um, he actually had, when he travels up there and maybe when he travels everywhere, has his wallet in a, plastic, um, basically a plastic holder that is tied to the inside of his door. When he put his hands out the window, he dropped his wallet outside the window. Oh, wow. That's how he managed it. When he, when they drove away, the boys said to him, we are so glad you told us that because we think we really could have been hurt. That was the world that they were facing. And I was looking at this incredible, wonderful 80 year old man who's still working and still super successful man right and this is his experience of the world I, that for me was like a, oh my like i can't pretend that that's not happening to my brothers and sisters who are here with me living in the same space i'm living in that's your oh my that my, was my oh my and the second one was i was talking to an african-american woman i had just met who um is a hairdresser and she actually was a hairdresser who went into people's homes and wealthy white people's homes. And she said at one point she was looking around someone's home and was saying, oh my gosh, these are such beautiful antiques you have. And the person said, oh yeah, yeah, those were just, they came down from generations and generations. Mm. And she looked at me and said, you know what people don't think about is that there's nothing like that that could have come down to me if my ancestors were slaves. Right. So this white person that I'm talking to has no idea of the automatic privilege that they have. No understanding and no understanding that that might hurt me, that that might be um, a really a kind of a painful thing for me. And that was another pivotal moment that I thought, again, I just need to acknowledge that I don't know. And I need to be so willing to listen.
and to allow those hard conversations. And if someone wants to talk to me about slavery and reparations and current racism in a harsh, really straightforward way, I will hear it. And I will but not get defensive. And it's the acknowledgement that I think a lot of people struggle with. Like out of your two stories, as we begin to uh, wrap up um, with the whole thing, you know, I have a black son which obviously, you know, I'm married to a, I shouldn't say obviously, my husband is Black. And every day I started worrying after he was born because my son was born not too long after um, Obama, you know, had gotten his second term. But the most pivotal moment as a parent for me was Trayvon Martin uh, situation. And it's countless times. I grew up in the South, in North Carolina, and the street I grew up on had no sidewalks. And I walked a ways just to go to a candy store. And I think about all the things that could have happened to me that didn't. The things that I no longer feel comfortable about my own child um, going out and about. And I hate that I feared this. And it was constantly something I did in my stay-at-home mom group. Is like, I don't have the luxury of being okay with him just playing in the front yard and not worrying. And as I began to be in my community, making these things known about these are the things that are faced. Like you're constantly head on swivel before you leave to go somewhere to make sure you know you're in a safe space. Um, And then the young lady with the passing down of heirlooms, like that is such a hard thing. I had two grandparents that related back to sustainability. My grandmother's uh, father owned the largest land in uh, Herring County, Virginia. And he could pass for a white man. And that was how he got land to be able to pass down through the generations. But then my grandfather, uh, my mom's father, his family lost uh, um, land because they didn't have the money to continue to have the farm. So the systemic racism was within that as well because of the long history of lending to Black farmers and making it present. Uh, preventable. Um, I appreciate uh, you sharing that and um, taking a moment to show that, you know, we can be vulnerable and we can have hard conversations and discuss stuff. Nothing has to be a us versus them. Um, I loved you for saying, you know, sisters and brothers, because at the end of the day, if we have fellowship, if we are Christians or not Christians, at the end of the day, we're part of a human race. And the more we can begin to look at people in their humanity and recognize that not all people are 100% bad, just like not all people are 100% good. Uh, I love hearing that your background is psychologist. That has always intrigued me about you as well. And learning today that you had parents that were uh, pastors. Um, and I'm sure one day we'll get to discuss that because my my grandfather was an elder in Primitive Baptist uh, growing up. So not the kind of church that is going to have any women in leadership. Um, so it's been interesting. So, Lori, the last question is, if our listeners wanted to know what is the main message that you would want them to walk away from that is pivotal to yourself? You can make a difference. and together we can make the difference that we need to make and it is okay to face the facts it's okay to face reality head on 
and know that you can. If someone else lived through oppression, you can hear about it. Point taken. So for clarity, if you can hear about it and you know that, just acknowledge there is nothing wrong with that. There are so many times I've used in relationship to Pride Month. We had some books that were going to get banned. And I remember people being so upset that their kids was going to read a book. And my analogy was, if I am a meat eater and I go and read a book about a vegetarian, that does not stop me from ever eating meat. But it does give me an insight into what does that vegetarian do? And there's no shade to people who do not eat meat. but you cannot become something that you are not if that is not something that's already within you. You have to have that desire or it has to be within you. And either way, we all have the ability to grow. And that to me is what it means to be sustainable. And I am glad that we've had this time with Lori today. I will continue to appreciate her ability to have inclusion. Before we end, I I hope our listeners who have stuck with us this far, do not forget to like, subscribe, and share, and continue to come back. Um, Reach out to us. I thank you so much for all that have called and congratulated and um, said what great episodes. And by all means, if you know people you want to hear about, topics you want to discuss, please reach out. Um, Like we've mentioned earlier, our partners are with uh, Black Iowa News. They have Facebook as well as Alliance for Sustainability. They're our podcast partners and have um, helped us to be here and be supported. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, Leah.